And uh, Nate and I have traveled before and uh, just have a great love for Nate, not the least of which is because he way overachieved when he got married. So he, <laughs> he knows how to, That's how you do. yeah, he knows how to, how to look up, as, as I did too. Yeah, I want to bring you greetings from my wife, Debbie. She's down in Phoenix today. We live in Phoenix now, um, and she's praying for us this morning, and I want to bring you greetings from the Alliance of Renewal Church's National Leadership Team. They're all praying for us this morning, and we're so glad to be connected with Lydia House. Um, what a sweet sense of God's presence here today. I could have just, I've heard me speak before, so I could have stayed in worship all morning. I, I really could have, and that's one of the great gifts, one of the many gifts Nate has, not just in leading worship, but leading us into a, a tangible sense of God's presence. Uh, being here with you in this space, in this sweet presence, uh, reminds me to say to you that you are connected uh, through being part of the Alliance of Renewal Churches with churches just like you all around the globe. Um, I was in Cuba last March with my wife and a small team and there are three art churches there, three house churches there, uh, Heaven's Gate and Pastors Osmani and Uniet. And again, this sweet presence of the Lord that was there that is here this morning. Uh, house churches throughout the uh, nation of China that were connected with through the, the work of an art leader named Robert Walter. Uh, you're connected. I, I was just down in... Uh, Gadsden, Alabama, uh, two weeks ago, and um, a small gathering of the saints just like you here, and around the globe, the work of Jesus is happening, not through the, just the big mega churches that everybody sees, but through the small house churches that people don't see, but the God sees. So you're, you're part of millions of churches just like you here in the United States and overseas, and, and uh, you're something special, Lydia House. Don't, don't forget that. Uh, you may not be on uh, uh, the radar of one of the national network, TV networks that, that some of the bigger churches are, but you're on God's, you're on God's radar and in, in his network. Uh, Nate, it's good to be with you, man. It's good to, good to be back with you, and, and uh, uh, just a real privilege to be back here at the ranch. Uh, as it were. Um, I have a message I, I want to share with you today. We'll just see where God wants to take this. Uh, it's entitled, If God Can. If God Can. We think this is a word he, he's been wanting to bring to churches and leaders throughout the Alliance of Renewal Churches Network. And it's a message that's designed to position each of us uh, to potentially hear a word from God. To hear a word from God that is a word of hope and is a word of faith. And, and to hear a word that he wants us to hang on to. And not just that he wants us to hang on to, but that he wants to fulfill. And that, that fulfillment of this word for you 
<clears throat> as an individual or perhaps as a family unit or as a, as a church, it might be a while in coming. There's times we hear a word from the Lord, we receive a word from the Lord, we test it, we weigh it, we become convinced it's a word from the Lord, but sometimes there's a season before it's fulfilled, before it's experienced, before it's seen and known. But it begins by positioning ourselves to hear that word in the first place. Uh, in the Alliance of Renewal Churches, again, this, this little network that Paul and, and so many others started back in, in 2001 or so, uh, one of the things that took root early on in our network is that we are convinced that we are in sons and daughters of a good, good father who is determined to be good to us. That's who you are. That was one of the words this morning I heard being, being prayed. Uh, you and I are sons and daughters of a good, good father who's determined to be good to us. Good to us, even when we're determined not to let him be good to us. So sometimes we have this kind of determination that, well, Father, there's no way you could be good to me. If, if, if you knew what I think, if you knew how I've been speaking, if you knew how I'd been acting, and of course he does know, and he's still determined to be good to you and I. And, and another thing we hold near and dear in the Alliance Renewal Churches is that we believe God wants us to have a healthy disregard for the impossible. That he wants us to have a healthy disregard for the impossible. Uh, when I was in Cuba with the, the small team we took with us, my wife Debbie was part of that team last March, we saw these two things come together. Uh, we were so blessed to, to be with the house churches. There were four of them in different locations, and we had government spies following us around, and uh, they were not shy about letting us know they were following us around. And, and at one point, they came up, and one of the spies came up and took a picture, put his phone right in my face and took a picture and said, we're starting a file on you. And I Okay, yeah, at least somebody's somewhere starting to file on me, I guess. And <laughs> that was on my bucket list, yeah. And uh, uh, we got to be part of these house churches with these brave brothers and sisters who start these house churches that are illegal in Cuba. And each of the pastors had prison stories. I was in prison for a week, I was in prison for two weeks, I was in prison for six months, and well, should we not be meeting here with you? We don't want to get you in trouble. No, that's just part of being a Christian today here in Cuba. And when I go to prison, it gives me a chance to preach to guards and prisoners that otherwise might not hear the gospel. Just incredible brothers and sisters. And so we're with them. And as we're getting ready to leave, the day we're going, we're with young Osmani and Uniette. Now, they are co-pastors of Heaven's Gate, a house church that can seat comfortably 20 people that they cram 40 people into on a Sunday morning. And Osmani is the husband, Uniette is the wife. And we were asking them, well, is there any way we could be praying for you, Osmani and Uniette, as we leave? Uh, we'll certainly be praying for Heaven's Gate, and you be praying for us. And how they got in touch with us is a whole story in and of itself in the first place, but we'll certainly be praying for you. You'll be praying for us, but for you personally. Is there any way we could be praying for you? And, and Uniette began to cry. 
And and Osmani was kind of, I mean, in the Cuban culture, it, it, you guys, you got you to be kind of macho. So Osmani didn't want us to know he was tearing up too. So he's kind of doing one of these guy things where you try to wipe the tear out of your eye, but you don't let anybody know you're actually wiping a tear out of the eye. And he's tearing up. And, and Uniat says, um, I've, I've been told that I'll never be able to have children. Just been diagnosed. We've gone to a, two different doctors here and in, uh, we had to travel to Havana, uh, which is some hours away from where they live. And I've been told we'll never be able to have children. We're heartbroken. We so badly want to have children. They're in their early, late 20s, early 30s. And uh, she said, you have no idea what it's like to receive that kind of declaration over your life. Just before we had left to go to Cuba, um, not just before, but a couple of months before we were going to go, the Lord seemed to bring to our minds, I knew I was going, Debbie was going, uh, another gal from here in the Twin Cities was going, Pat Bielan came along, a young pastor named Chris Magnell was coming, and my, my senior pastor, Graham Sellers, uh, my home church in Phoenix was going, but we thought his wife was supposed to come. Well, they have four children, and so that meant getting all those details taken care of, well, who will watch the kids and get them to school and music lessons and all that. Well, the Lord worked it all out. Jennifer thought she also heard from the Lord that I'm supposed to go, and so she came. Osmani and Uniad are sharing, you have no idea what it's like to hear that declaration. Little do they know, that's the declaration that was spoken over Jennifer Sellers 20 years ago by physicians in um, the Phoenix area. And uh, they had been prayed for many times that they might have children. Nothing ever happened. Uh, uh, Jennifer was tired of people offering to pray. Eh, not again. And then one day, a young guy went down to Phoenix, and he was speaking and ministering there and thought he had a prophetic word for uh, Graham and Jennifer regarding having children and asked if he could pray for them, not knowing that Jennifer thought, ah, oh, I don't ever want to be prayed for again. But this young guy wouldn't be swayed. I think his name was Paul Anderson. <laughs> and uh, he prayed over them. And Jennifer walked away from the prayer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you bet. Been here, done that. It uh, wasn't too much longer after that that she found out she was pregnant. And eventually gave birth to Karis Elizabeth Sellers. And um, we have a good, good father who's determined to be good to us. And he wants us to have a healthy disregard for the impossible. So much so that a few years later, she gave birth to Naomi. To Naomi Rose Sellers. And then she gave birth to Anna Grace Sellers. And then she gave birth, most importantly, to my godson, Samuel <laughs> Michael Sellers four children where there was to be none. She shares this story with Osmani and Uniette. Uniette's just all, would you pray for me? And, and Osmani also, will you pray for us? And Graham and Jennifer walked across the room, asked if they could lay hands on them and pray for them. And they, they spoke enough English we could pray in English. They spoke way more English than we do Spanish. And uh, we prayed. And my wife, Debbie, joined in the prayers. And we left. About six months later, we got an email. Osmani and Uniet get email services once a week. 
and uh, in their small community, and those emails are subject to be read by government people. So they have to be careful what they send, and we have to be careful what we write back. Ah, oh, brother, brother Miguel, brother Miguel, we are happy to announce we are pregnant. And um, thank you for your prayers. And then a few weeks later, another email came. Oh, Sister Deborah, Brother Miguel, we're happy to announce we're doubly blessed. We are blessed with twins. We're pregnant with twins. And then a few weeks later, another email came. Please keep us in prayer. There are problems. And Unietta is going to have to be, and, and Sarah, you would probably know the the right medical terms that, that I wouldn't know, but she was uh, uh, going to have to stay in bed the balance of her pregnancy the last four months. Please keep us in prayer. And uh, then we got the email a few weeks ago announcing the birth of the two twins, five plus pounds each, very healthy. Uh, Osmani said, oh, brother, they, they call me Miguelito, little, little Mike. <laughs> Oh, Brother Miguelito, uh, we're, we're happy to announce the birth of the twins, one boy and one girl. Uh, we are sorry to tell you we have decided not to name the boy Miguelito, uh, as you suggested. Well, I thought that was a good name, I, just an idea that I left with him. And, um, and then I just got some pictures. I should have brought them with me this morning. Uh, we just got pictures of the little boy and the little girl now some weeks old and all dolled up in some really cute outfits. And, and uh, alive, healthy, and well. Beloved, we have a good, good father. And he is absolutely determined to be good to us. And he wants us to live with that understanding and also with a healthy disregard for the impossible. Not a flippant, not a, an unthinking, but a healthy disregard for the impossible, knowing that what he says is the most true and real thing we can believe. This was on my heart some weeks ago. I was meeting with the Lord uh, one morning for my coffee time with Jesus. Now, I, that's my time when I get up in the morning. I'm usually up around 5 a.m. wherever in the world I am. I don't know why my body just wakes up. And, and I start off with a good, strong coffee, a cup of coffee, because Jesus loves coffee. You need to know this. <laughs> Jesus loves coffee. Now, any tea drinkers here? A few? Okay, God loves you. It's not quite as much. But no, see, now that's bad theology right there. You need to not receive that. Uh, but it, yeah, I, I make a, a strong pot of coffee, because in John chapter 2, it says that in our English translations, Jesus turned the water into wine. That Greek word for wine is actually the Greek word for Sumatra coffee. It's just been, <laughs> been mistranslated for centuries now. And so I make a strong pot of Sumatra coffee, and I pour two cups, one for Jesus and one for me. And Jesus is so generous. He always shares his cup with me. And uh, we sit down with his word, which... Uh, <laughs> I, I do do that <laughs> with my Bible. And our Bibles, by the way, I, I hope you know, are, are more than books to be read. Uh, it's a meeting place. Our Bibles are a caribou or a Starbucks or whatever, a place where we meet with the Lord and where he meets with us, where we get to know him and 
and he helps us get to know ourselves and him, and we get to know his heart. And, and I was meeting with him uh, one morning, and I was reading in the Gospel of John in chapter 4. Let me read this portion for you. There's about eight verses here. And John chapter 4 begins with verse 46. Uh, this is soon after the, the, the encounter of uh, Jesus has with the woman of the well. This is the latter half of that chapter. So in John 4, verse 46, it says, And Jesus traveled through Galilee. He came to Cana, where he had turned the water into Sumatra coffee. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Sometimes when we read God's word, when we have those morning quiet times, afternoon, evening, whenever it is you have your quiet time, we're, we're all wired differently. So some of you might prefer meeting with Jesus at night before you go to bed and and uh, as we meet with him, very often we'll read his word, and oh, okay, that was great. I, I, I read that portion of the word, and nothing special seems to happen, but as we're faithful to consistently meet with the Lord in his word, every now and then something does the proverbial jumping off the page at us. It just grabs our attention. It, it arrests our heart, and we can't get it out of our heads. And, and for me, uh, the thing in John 4 that I couldn't get out of my head for weeks was the man believed what Jesus said and went home. The thing Jesus says is the most true, real thing we can believe. Well, I, I was stuck on this, this uh, passage, and, uh, and just for the, the longest time, uh, couldn't figure out what was it that the Lord wants me to hear through this. And uh, so I went back to, uh, to uh, look at the passage, and um, um, as, I, as I was thinking about it, I, I thought I heard uh, the Lord say, now I want you to go to John 12. <coughs> I want you to jump from John 4 to John 12. And I thought, well, okay. So I, I turned to John 12 some weeks later, and I'm uh, reading through uh, verses 1 through 18. Let me just read a few of those verses, not all 18 for you here this morning. So in the back of my mind, I've got this thing that I, I can't get rid of. The man believed what Jesus said and went on home. And then in John 12, I read this. Six days before the Passover, beginning in verse 1, verses 1 and 2, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus 
was one of those reclining with him at the table. Now jumping uh, further on, when the, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus. Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were gonna, going away and believing in Jesus. Jumping up to verse 12, it says, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm olives and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And then in verses 17 and 18, it says, many in the crowd, <coughs> excuse me, had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead. And they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they'd heard about this miraculous sign. Okay, so here I am with... Um, uh, I can't get John 4 out of my mind that, okay, this, this man believes what Jesus says about his son, and even though his son isn't immediately healed in his sight, he, he has such belief in it, he acts on it, and he goes home. And now I'm in John 12, and again, I'm thinking, there's something here God wants me to see, and I'm just not seeing it yet. So I kept praying about it, and, and one day I thought, well, pick up this commentary you have on the Gospel of John by a theologian some of us read named M.T. Wright. So I pick up this commentary, and I'm just reading uh, what uh, Dr. Wright records, and, and here's what he says. He reminds us that the people are excited as they welcome Jesus because they believe he's the coming king. They think he's the king who's going to restore politically the, the kingdom of, of Israel and re, uh, set him free from Roman oppression. But then Wright noted something I'd never caught before. He points out that the context of these verses in John 12 is that Jesus comes and has Lazarus with him. Lazarus, who he's raised from the dead. And Wright goes on to say, it's, it's probably not a stretch to think that the people are full of faith that Jesus can, in fact, restore the kingdom of Israel because he had the power to raise somebody from the dead. This is the story that's going around. This guy has power to raise somebody from the dead. And if he can raise somebody from the dead, he can restore the kingdom of Israel. If he has the power to raise the dead, he has power to do this. And boom, there it was for me. The word that I thought the Lord wanted me to be positioned to hear and receive. If God can. If God can fill in the blank, he can fill in the blank. Kind of this equation that perhaps God can use in our lives to hear a word he wants to give us that he wants to fulfill. So I thought, okay, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to start asking God, how do you want to fill in the blanks for me, Lord? And of all things... He takes me to an Old Testament story some weeks later. So this is all happening over a period of some weeks. And he takes me to an Old Testament story in Genesis chapter 1, the story of Hagar and Ishmael. And it's just in my daily Bible reading for that day. That's the Old Testament reading. And I'm reading about Hagar and Ishmael. And what a raw deal they got from Abraham and Sarah. Not the good Sarah that you have here, of course. <laughs> 
Um, but Abraham and Sarah, you, you remember the story. They had wanted to have children for so long. God had given them a word to hang on to and that he wanted to fulfill in their lives. But they got impatient and then tried to fulfill the word themselves, which I can be tempted to do. And, and Sarah says, why don't you have a child with my maidservant, Hagar? He does. He has Ishmael. But then later, God does fulfill his word and gives Sarah her own child. In the meantime, she's become jealous of Hagar and Ishmael and tells Abraham in Genesis 21, get him out of here. Send him out into the desert. Now, I live in Phoenix. I live in the desert. I know the desert. I'm out hiking in the desert all the time. I'm out hiking in the desert in July when it's 118 degrees. Now, at, we have a dry heat down there. And it really does make a difference. But I got to tell you, when it's 118 degrees, I don't care how dry the heat is. It's hot. <laughs> but I've always got my water bottle with me. Hagar and Ishmael run out of water in the desert. And she has to place her little boy over to the side under a bush so she can walk away and, and sit at some distance because who, what mother wants to hear her son crying as he dies? But in the story in John 21, suddenly, suddenly, a well appears. And the very thing Hagar and Ishmael needs is provided. And boom, there it was for me, God filling in the blanks. Mike, if I can provide a way where there seems to be no way for Hagar and Ishmael, I can provide a way where there seems to be no way for you. Now, that's just a thought that came to mind. Now, God speaks to us in a number of different ways. We know that he speaks to us. First of all, we can all hear four voices. We can hear our own voice. We can hear the voice of our friends. We can hear the voice of the enemy, and we can hear God's voice. And God's voice, as we grow in hearing God's voice, has a certain weight to it. At first and foremost, we'll always agree with the word of God, the written word of God, and the character of God, and his will and his ways. But it'll have a certain weight to it. So this thought is in my head. If I can make a way where there seems to be no way for Hagar and Ishmael, I can make a way where there seems to be no way for you. So I wrote that down because I didn't want to forget it. And I'm old, so I forget things. What's your name again? No. Anyway, <laughs> so I write it down so I can pray over it. And I share it with my wife, Debbie, so we can pray over it. And last year we hit a stretch where uh, suddenly, uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this for your church or in your own life, the funds dry up. And for eight weeks, I don't get paid. But I have, the, I have the word of the Lord. If I can make a way for Hagar and Ishmael where there seems to be no way, I can make a way where there seems to be no way for you. And this word produces for Debbie and I a peace where normally, I don't know how you are with finances, but I can tend to get a little anxious when there's some financial challenge. And of course, on, on Nate's list, worrying about finances was one of the things that we can fast from Lent. I was glad to see, by the way, on his list for things we can fast during Lent was not watching ESPN. I was thankful. Uh, for that, but that was not on the list, uh, especially as but March. Clearly, the Lord spoke that to you. Uh, 
Oh, uh, got it. Thought of it. That was the voice. it. You just had to go and say that, didn't you? But it it produced a peace in me where normally there would have been anxiousness. It produced a rest in me when normally I, like Abraham and Sarah, would have been trying to figure out a way to work this out. And we just rested. And I, I won't kid you. I mean, I kind of wondered. I like to pay my bills. You probably do too. And I wondered, well, where are the funds going to come for that? And I got to tell you, they came. And they came in ways that we would never have expected it. They came in small amounts. They came in some bigger amounts. They came in gifts of finances. They came in refunds we didn't know we were going to get from certain places. They came in, in uh, uh, one was a, a, a word from a hospital who said, we sent you a bill for such and such. And oh, I'm so, we're sorry, our bad, that you shouldn't have gotten that bill. Don't, don't send the money in. Well, okay, twist my arm. Thank you. We'll do that. And, and then there came a day when, when um, the funds began to flow again. And I began to get my paycheck again. But for eight weeks, we lived in that time, hanging on to that word that God has given us. So I'm just wondering, beloved, what's the if God can for you? If God can fill in the blank, he can fill in the blank. If it all resonates with you this morning, write that down somewhere. And then begin to ask God to fill in the blanks, and he will. He's a good, good father who is determined to be good to you and who wants you to be able to live with a healthy disregard for the impossible. Now, he may fill in the blank in different ways for different ones of you. He might fill in the blank as you're reading a passage of Scripture. For instance, you might be reading one day Ephesians chapter 3, and God fills in the blank for you. If God can do immeasurably more than all I ask or imagine, he can, and then he'll give you some idea of what that immeasurably more than all you ask and imagine might feel like or look like. He might fill in the blank as Pastor Nate or Pastor Paul or somebody else is preaching here on a Sunday morning, and they, they, they speak a word in the sermon, and it might not even be the, the main point of the sermon, but it is for you. And it jumps out at you, and you can't get it out of your head, you can't get it out of your mind. You might be having a conversation with each other. You might be having a conversation with Sarah, and Sarah says something to you, and you go, whoa, and Sarah doesn't even know. She's downloaded this amazing spirit-filled word from the Lord, but, but it might be a phrase. It might be a single word that she speaks. And you walk away going, okay, that's, that's the first part of the equation. If God can, what Sarah just shared with me, he can. And he'll fill in that second blank for you. It might be as you're worshiping, and there's, there's a, a, a lyric up on the screen. Uh, and it might be a lyric... Um, uh, like the one we had in that first song today. Uh, and there's your daughter up here singing, right? Yeah, thank goodness she takes after her mom. Uh, anyway, um, no. <laughs> don't worry, Nate never holds a grudge. He just gets, he just gets even, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, but I was thinking about that as she's saying, which is really cool, by the way. Uh, because God loves us. Uh, that might be the word of the Lord to you. Uh, if God can love me, he can whatever that might be. So I just want to leave you with that, beloved. That if, if it resonates with you, write that equation. I don't know what else to call it, that equation, that fill-in-the-blank thing. It might be one way God positions you to hear a word from him that you need right now in your life. And you might be at different places in your circumstances in life, in your relationship with somebody, or in seeking God's will for what he has for you right now. And it might just be one way, not the only way at all. And it might not be for everybody here, but it might be for some of you. So write it down. If God can fill in the blank, he can fill in the blank. Write it down. Pray about it. Test it with people whom you trust and whom have a mature track record in following the Lord and in hearing and discerning his voice. And if you come to some sense, of a, some sense of agreement that, yeah, this is a word from the Lord, then just begin to hang on to it, pray about it, put it up on your refrigerator or uh, wherever you put up little notes that you put up for yourself. Write it on a post-it note and stick it there to remind you. Uh, stick it on a post-it note in your car, but don't stare at it while you're driving, okay? Keep your eyes on the road. And uh, let the Lord speak to you about it. Ask him to give you the grace to be patient as long as you need to be patient for the fulfillment. Uh, in ourselves, uh, in my flesh, I'm not patient for stuff like that. I need God's grace to be patient. And, um, and in due time, he will not only give you that work, he'll fulfill that work because that's why he's given it to you. So, Lady House, God bless you. In fact, I, I pray. Now, let, let me close my segment in prayer and kick it back to Pastor Paul and Nate. Um, I want to pray, Lord, would you please give a fresh word to Lydia House? I thank you for this congregation. And, Lord, uh, uh, filling in the blanks or in some other way, shape, or form, would you please bring a fresh word? Or maybe it's a, a refreshing of an old word. Uh, that hasn't yet been fulfilled, remind them of it or give them a new word of something you want to do here. Uh, do in them and to do through them. Lord, would you please come in and fill in the blanks for Lydia House? If God can at Lydia House, he can. For any brothers or sisters who are here this morning, any who are in need of a word from you because of the circumstances they're in the midst of because of what's going on in life for them. Lord, bring them a word of life that they can hang on to, that, that gives them hope where right now things are just hopeless, that, that creates faith where right now they just don't have any faith. Lord, protect them from any condemnation from the enemy or from their own voices or from the voices of others and give them these words of hope and faith and life, not just to hang on to, Lord, but that you might fulfill and make them the reality, if God can. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.